Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. We're circling back. Um, we're doing podcast series this week with the RevTech Labs class. So we've got um, a couple of different companies that we'll showcase throughout the week. And um, and then we'll end the week with a podcast with um, Dan Roselli and Nat Clarkson. Uh, today, we've got Lennox McNary. Lennox is a co-founder of a team called, um, team of a company called Archive Core. A uh, great little company um, out of the Virginia area. So we're glad to have them down here. Um, talk a little bit about how they're trying to help make the credentialing process in the medical industry a more smooth process. So certainly hope you enjoy today's podcast with Lennox McNeary. All right, Lennox, welcome to the podcast today. Excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So you um, you might not know this, our, um, our regular listeners do. The way we get started off on every podcast is just a little 30, 60 second commercial on who you are. Um, certainly as somebody that's not from Charlotte, I think that's a, a great opportunity for you to give people a quick snapshot into who, um, who you, the founder is. Okay. Actually, surprisingly, I did grow up in Charlotte. So oh, that, never mind. I, I take that back. <laughs> that's actually my home. Um, and I, I went to school in North Carolina, migrated to Michigan for a few years and fled back to warmer weather as quickly as my husband and I could. Um, we were both physicians, so part of our training takes us to other parts of the country sometimes. And I actually ended land ended up landing in Roanoke, Virginia. So I'm just a couple hours north of Charlotte now, but it's still home for me. Oh, you're close enough. They serve yeah. sweet tea there too, right? They do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're um, you're founder of Archive Core, right? Yes, yes I am. Um, so what is Archive Core? So I actually have a co-founder, Keel Coleman, and we are both physicians and we loved our jobs. He's an emergency medicine physician. I'm physical medicine and rehabilitation. And we loved what we did, but we noticed during our practices, as we were trying to bring new doctors into our groups, that there's this process called credentialing. And I think probably some of your listeners are investors. So they are familiar with due diligence. It's basically due diligence for physicians. And this process takes about 120 days to complete. And so we would hire a new physician into our group and then we'd be stuck waiting four months for them to come join us. And for physicians, when you're trying to hire somebody, you needed them before you could actually hire them, probably like in most businesses. And so having to wait that four months was hard. And then several times in my practice, we actually had credentialing fall through four months into the process. So right at that 120 days when somebody was getting ready to start work. So these people had moved their families across country thinking that they were going to start a new job. They bought houses, they put their kids in school, their spouses had gotten jobs, and suddenly everything fell apart. So it was devastating for them. It was devastating for those of us who were waiting for them to come join us. And then the hospital, we found out later, was losing about seven to $10,000 per day when the physicians were sitting on the sidelines like this. And Keel and I actually met, gosh, probably about 12 years ago now in a physician leadership course and had just become friends. And he was really like my mentor at that point. And I was commiserating with him when this happened, the, the last time it happened in my group. And we started talking about ways to fix it. And this was back in 2017 uh, when, the, when I was first learning about blockchain, you know, Bitcoin was going up drastically. The first and, time. Yeah, the yeah, first time. Um, and my best friend, who is also a physician, had come to visit. Her husband teaches base jumping. 
And so he, this sounds roundabout, but this is actually relevant. So he teaches base jumping and one of his students from another country had actually paid him in Bitcoin back in 2013. And so she was visiting me in May of 2017 and just watching her phone, her crypto portfolio go up by thousands of dollars every half hour. (laughs) So I said, you know, explain to me what this is. Because when I heard blockchain, I was thinking Silk Road, you know, money laundering, all the bad stuff. And so she started explaining the real life uses of, of uh, blockchain technology and distributed ledger. And as she was explaining this to me, we were sitting on my porch and I always joke if someone were, were drawing us as a cartoon, they would have drawn a light bulb above our heads because we both looked at each other all of a sudden and said, this would make sense for credentialing. And so Keel and I talked about it later and we decided this really was a good way to keep track of these records that people have that follow them around wherever they go. So that was how we ended up doing this business. So what we do is we simplify the professional credentialing process for physicians. So if there is a red flag, it's going to show up on day 20 instead of day 120 when everybody can really back out of the process faster. So you're using blockchain for background checks? Kind of. It's The blockchain is, is to help control the record flow and in the documents in credentialing it's almost like a fico score you start building building your your credentials or your 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 score over time with all the different things you do so whether it's procedures or testing or training whatever you're doing you're creating that record over time so we use blockchain technology to track that training over time so that a physician ends up getting a complete packet of their training that's all based on blockchain so does the physician carry it around? Do y'all carry it around? How does the um, how does it work? That's a great question. One of the things that's fascinating about this is that physicians do not own their own credentialing records. <laughs> Our credentialing packets are owned by the places that train us. So right now they hold the records. As we continue to grow, one of our hopes is to give physicians access to this so that they can also be responsible for releasing their records to whomever needs it. So if a physician wants to start doing telemedicine or change jobs, they have the ability to release those records and are not dependent on someone else releasing them. Almost like our own medical records these days, right? Kind of, yeah. 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 So um it's an interesting concept of how the story came about so you're sitting on your back deck 2017 light bulbs are over your head um where did you take it to next right i mean you're a physician your background is not in um uh, certainly not in crypto or um, blockchain distributive ledgers so um how do y'all take it from that concept to where it you know ultimately is today and how are you going to get it to the next level So one thing about our training as physicians is we learn how to ask questions and ask for help, and we're not shy about doing that. So we really reached out to our networks, and we had a wonderful advisor here in Roanoke who helped us with some of our initial build. We had a couple people who helped us with the initial build of the technologies. We took it from A to B. Uh, We partnered with a fantastic developing group down in uh, Blacksburg, and it's called Next Up, and they are helping us with our development. They are blockchain experts and really understand the the development process and are great about helping me as a physician understand when we make a decision, whether it's a good or bad decision. So so Keelan and I really reached out to, to developers and advisors to help us learn how to do this. We also partnered with Carilion Clinic, which is a hospital in Roanoke, um, about a thousand beds, and we have about 300 trainees here. And so 
So we partnered with Carillion and they have given us incredible access to their graduate medical education department, their credentialing office and other staff in the hospital. So we could really map out the process and see what it looks like and talk to people who do this on a day-to-day basis. So we weren't just making it up as we go along. Yeah. What's the, uh, where are you? So uh, old school technology, 120 days, I would imagine 120 plus days is not right. Um, Where are you today in terms of turnaround times? So we are actually doing our second pilot to get some more data points. When we did this last year, we found that we are decreasing one piece of this process that normally takes about two weeks. It's about 10 to 12 hours over two weeks, and we can get that accomplished in under a minute. We're not fixing all of credentialing, but we're fixing this one really important niche in credentialing. And so we're doing a much broader pilot this year as we have this graduating class Medicine's interesting because you have this whole new group of residents that comes out into the world every year on July 1st. And so it's it's not something that you can do as an ongoing pilot. It really has to be done once a year. So we're, we're catching this batch as we go this year. And I'm hoping we're going to get a better picture of exactly how much time we're saving, but we know we can cut hours and hours and hours for every physician um, okay. at least of this initial process. And if we're cutting hours from the process, then you're cutting weeks off if you're cutting hours in the process then you're cutting weeks off the actual time right because you lose weeks in terms of hours at the end of the day i would imagine you really do and a lot of these these um reviews require people you to to look at the records and so there there are hard stops you know if you have to meet before the credentialing committee or something has to be approved by the board you have to get on the agenda by Monday at five o'clock, for instance. And if you miss that cutoff, it's a whole month later before you can do that. And so by really shortening this front end, we're making sure people are not missing those deadlines. Yeah. Um, we're talking to you today because you're in the RevTech Labs Accelerator Group, right? Yes. Um, so what led, um, A, how'd you find out about it? Um, B, what led you down here? So I was lucky enough to participate in another accelerator up in Richmond called Lighthouse Labs in the fall. And as you mentioned earlier, Keel and I came into this as physicians, knew very little about business. And so the Lighthouse Labs accelerator was fantastic for me. I started out not knowing what unit economics were, not knowing what a one sheet was. I had to Google everything. And so really steep learning curve there. And we, we grew as a business and I grew personally so much during that time. And I thought I was ready for the, you know, that was probably the 101 level classes for me where I was. And I was ready for the next, the 201 level classes. And so I started looking around for other accelerators. And because Charlotte's home, that's how I ended up with RevTech. But I didn't fully appreciate what I was getting into. I thought it was going to be more Charlotte-based and did not appreciate how broad their network is. And I have been so impressed with the the approachability of our mentors, the level of expertise, and how far, far spread they are across the U S it's been really incredible. Um, so no, I think, you know, Dan and his team have done a fantastic job up here or down here, uptown or wherever (laughs) we are. Right. Um, so why is now the right time for archive core because of the blockchain technology and where it's come? Is that, is that what's going to help propel this forward as, Historically, you couldn't have done it because we couldn't get past some of the things without distributive ledgers. Is that is that a catalyst for making this thing successful? I think there are a couple of things. When we first started talking about this in 2017, there was not a huge appetite. But over the last few years, I think with the emergence of blockchain technology, AI, um, and some of the other things that are that are 
coming about, there is more interest in figuring out how to fix this. And I think also COVID, interestingly, has really driven innovation in healthcare. And when you look at how quickly we pivoted to being able to do telemedicine this time last year, we went for years and years where everybody said, we can't do telemedicine, we can't do telemedicine. And now that's almost the norm for us, right? Um, When you look at sterilizing masks, when you look at people creating intubation hoods, all of that happened so quickly. And so I think there's a, there's been a push for innovation in healthcare in general over the last few years, only spurred on even more so by COVID. And then we're looking at efficient use of healthcare resources and limited dollars, which again is even more important now with COVID. And so I think all of those things are really making this a perfect time for us. It's, it's the technology and the environment that we're in. So, yeah, so you mentioned it on several occasions, uh, you're a physician by background, right? Yes. Um, and um, so what what has been your growth or what has it been like stepping out of the physician shoes and into the business shoes and now looking back on medicine from that secondary perspective? Right. Somebody that was in it for a long time and now somebody that's almost to an essence trying to heal healthcare. Um, with the business application, right? How's that process been for you? Do you um, do you like it? Do you get frustrated by it? Um, what's what's it been like? You know, it has been such an incredible year. I miss my patients and I miss the team I worked with. I had an amazing group of nurses and therapists I worked with on our rehab unit, and and I do miss that. But I have learned so much in the last year, and I wish I had had some of this knowledge a year ago or five years ago, I think it really would have helped me advocate in my role as physician because most physicians don't get business training. So we don't know how to argue about budget. And when we need something, we don't know. It's almost, I always felt like there was a secret secret language that the business people used. And I didn't know the words. I didn't know the vocabulary to use. And I feel like I've learned so much of that. And would have really been a help as a physician to have had that understanding. Um, I, I, th- I think it, I think it would have changed the way, probably not the way I practiced, but the way as a medical director, the way I would have been able to interact with our administration. Yeah. Um, what aspect of being a physician, other than knowing how to ask good questions and recognizing that you don't know all the answers, um, what other aspects of being a good physician has made you a good business person? <laughs> we are we are good at working really long hours without <laughs> breaks. Um, good at learning a lot of information really really fast. Yeah. And it, it, I think as a startup, especially you know as an entrepreneur and an accelerator, you forget how exhausting it is because you have the singular focus and you really have to push very very hard for twelve weeks when you're in an accelerator program. And I think our training has helped us learn how to do that and really be able to compartmentalize and just nose to the grindstone for a period of time. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. What's um what's next, right? I mean, you're making a big push now for did you say June first or July first? July first. It's really Ju- between June and July. Okay. Yeah. So you make a big push for that to to um I guess a new round of beta testing on how the application works and how you're gonna um you know succeed with it. Um where's um where are the steps for the business going forward? And what I'm eventually going to get to with this next question, because we're getting up on you know, five minutes left in the podcast, um, is what can folks in the Charlotte area do to help the business pass the, um, the accelerator incubator time, right? So um, what do you learn over the course of the next six, um, six to 12 months from the business? 
So our, our focus right now and really for the accelerator is, is getting traction. And so we're hoping that by the end of this graduation cycle, we will have our expanded pilot up here at Carillion and hopefully have data points at other hospital systems as well. So I guess that would be one of my asks is if people know residents who are getting ready to graduate, residents or fellows or hospital systems that are interested in even testing this on one or two people, we'd love those extra data points. Keel and I have worked with electronic medical records for years and are used to having to change our workflow to fit with the EMR and also having to click eight zillion times to do whatever we need to do. So we have really tried to make this software as streamlined and easy to use as possible. And I think the more feedback we get from users, the better it's going to be. So I'm really interested in getting as many data points as we can between now and the mid to end of July, so that as we go into the next year, we can bring on our customers and really feel confident in the quality of our product that we're going to be able to put out there in the world. And so as we move forward in you know August, September to December, really trying to get our initial paying customers on board. So um, on that point, I mean, is it, um, are you creating a marketplace? Is it, are you trying to bring physicians and the, um, I guess, and the hospital systems on board or are you more targeting the hospital systems and just by nature, they're going to pull the physicians on board too? We're really targeting more the hospital systems because they're the ones who own the records. And the it's- scalable, it's a lot more scalable in the system, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, so go back to the earlier point, introductions to folks, I would assume at the larger facilities here in Charlotte um, or outside of Charlotte, um, obviously Atrium Novant. Um uh, would would be a, a nice thing. Yeah, really any hospital system, it, and it doesn't have, I think we'll have regional adoption. About 40% of trainees tend to stay in the state where they train. So it really would be fantastic if we could get a lot of the North Carolina hospitals, but South Carolina, Virginia, really anywhere, anywhere we can get a, get a foothold would be wonderful. The other thing that I really would love some help with is contacts at health insurance companies because they use this information as well. And that's one of the places where it's been really harder for us to get contacts. So people who do the credentialing of physicians and healthcare professionals in general in insurance companies. To the health... Mm-hmm. Do the health insurance companies serve as a block almost? And I mean, you you hear so many people talk bad about the health insurance companies. So I hesitate talking bad about the health insurance companies, but do they slow down this process for y'all essentially? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think this is a place where it could save them a lot of time and money because they have to go through the same sort of hoops of verifying people and, and making sure that all the ducks are in a row. And so we could help them save a lot of, of person hours as well. But just like in the regular filing of claims, they've moved, they move slowly, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. Um, so um, knowing where you, so we'll wrap up with this question, knowing where you are today, um, knowing how much you enjoy your patients, <clears throat> um, uh, you have a choice to go back and, and start undergraduate school all over again. Um, <laughs> do you go into business or medicine? Oh, wow. You know, actually, I took a break between college and med school. So I wish that my undergrad degree had been in business instead of environmental science and policy. And then I would have gone to med school. I think that's the way I would have done it. I think I would have ended up in medicine anyway. I, it was such a privilege 
to be able to work with my patients and watch them get better. My patients were people who'd had something catastrophic happen and I got to watch them as they could feed themselves again or walk or roll over in bed or talk or hug their family member. And it was such a joy to see that. But I also am grateful for the knowledge I've gained over the last year. And I, I think I wouldn't want to trade either of them. So is it safe to say once we've got a successful exit with Archive Core that we'll see Linux back in the um, in the medical world as a physician all over again? I think at least part-time, I would love to at some point. Yeah. So, um, well, it sounds like a super cool business. I mean, I, um, you know, things that are utilizing the blockchain um, in this degree make a ton of sense and really visionary for you back in 2017 to look at Bitcoin, not necessarily as the um, as the asset that it was and has continued to become, but um, looking at it in a different way as to how it can solve a you know a difficult problem. So um, beautiful insight on your part um, and glad to see you doing it and glad to see you here in Charlotte. Well, thanks for having me today. It's been a treat. So thanks so much, Linus. I appreciate it. training opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and the opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.